You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. You know, the word says that where two or more are gathered in his name, that he's there with us. This is why you can go ahead and take a seat. I believe this is the struggle in today's, in today's church is because um, the word also says that his, his, he puts his spirit in us. So he's always with us. But when two or more are gathered together in his name, there is a different kind of his presence. It's a different aspect of his presence that is present. That's why it, it can be dangerous. And I love the blessing of technology, but that's why it's dangerous if I get in too much of a rut of just online church attendance. Can we be real today? Because there's moments like this where God wants to, when two or more are gathered, he wants to be abundantly present to touch someone's life. And I'm not, I'm not bashing people that just watch online. I understand there's times and things, people, people going through stuff, I get that. But I'm just saying, isn't it good to be in these holy moments where God's presence is tangible and ready to move? And for those few people that I had that word for today, how amazing that God loves you that much to speak to me about you. That's the God we serve. That's how personal our God is. It's not just, oh, Pastor Dan came up with something good. <laughs> no, the Holy Spirit wanted to show you and remind you of his love for you today. We serve an amazing God. We serve an amazing God. Today, we are continuing our series on covenant. And if you've missed any of the last few weeks, we're in part number four. I would encourage you. We have a podcast. We're on Spotify. We're on YouTube. Man, go back and watch these messages because each one kind of builds on the next, but they are fundamental. We have got to understand what being in covenant means with our Heavenly Father. You know, as I was thinking about this this past week, I was just reminded of how, how serious covenant is. When they would make these blood covenants, how they would cut these animals in half and they would walk down the middle of them and they would say, let this be done to me if I break my covenant, break my side of it with you. It was, it was so serious. And I think we can, in our culture, we're not used to blood covenants. We're not used to making a covenant with someone. Usually we make a promise to someone, but anybody in here ever been burned by someone promising you something and they didn't fulfill it, right? Like, yeah, I have. doesn't feel good. It's not good. But God cannot break his covenant. So here's a great example of this. Whenever I was growing up, I have two older brothers. My middle brother, his name is Brad, and he is, uh, he's a highway patrolman. He's a state trooper here in Oklahoma. And uh, he's always been this crazy athlete, right? He's always, he's Somehow he's always been muscly, and it doesn't matter. He can eat five pieces of cake, and he still looks muscly, okay? It's ridiculous. I don't know what his problem is. Anyway, um, when we were growing up, we were in grade school, and we went out to summer camp, and as we were going out to summer camp, me and him were always in the same bunk. He was just a few grades ahead of me, so we got to, to go together, which was super cool. But as we were at summer camp, I remember one in particular time where we were going, and uh, we were getting our towels and our swim trunks on, and we were going to go to the pool, and as we were getting ready, we were getting all lined up, you know, everybody against the wall, we're going to go to the pool, we're going in a single file line, all this stuff. And I remember there was, these, there was a couple kids, one kid in particular, who came over and he stole my towel from me, my, my beach towel. And he stole it from me, but he wouldn't give it back. He's like, I was like, I continued, hey, give me back. He just thought it was some joke, keeping it away from me, all this stuff. And my brother Brad was a few people ahead of me in the line. 
And eventually, Brad heard some of the commotion going around, and he turned around, and he saw what was going on. And Brad, you know, we're in grade school, but Brad turned around, <laughs> and he grabbed that guy, and he pushed him against the wall, and he said, give him back his towel right now. And the guy was like, well, okay. And he gave me the towel right back. And he's like, don't do that. And then he went back and got in line. And that was it. The guy never messed with me for the rest of the time, the rest of the week out of camp. But that is a great picture of what it means to be in covenant with someone. Meaning this, if someone messes with me, when I'm in covenant with someone, I have someone that has my back. And what's great is when we're in covenant with God, we have someone who's greater than us who has our back. Not just a a big older brother. No, we have somebody who is the almighty God who says, hold up, I got you. I will back you everywhere that you go. And here's what's awesome about being in this series is our kids across the hall, today they're talking about the same thing. Today they are talking about covenant. They're talking about how God always keeps his promises. He always keeps his promises. So for those of you that have kids, ask your kids what they learned today and put some pressure on our kids' workers to make sure they're, you know, actually doing, doing the teaching over there. But man, we have some incredible workers. But here's the thing. They're learning the same thing we are. So as we go and as we're walking together as families, what's great is when life experience happens, this has happened to me and Leslie before, and I, I say something I shouldn't, I begin to doubt things uh, that I shouldn't doubt in God's word. What's great is I have a son who has the faith of a child who can speak up and say, hold up, that's not what we do. We need to pray about that. Have we prayed about that? We need to do something about that and we can hold each other accountable as a family unit. That's what we want to do here. We don't want to just be, uh, we want to partner together is what I'm trying to say. This past week, let me back up. Last week, we started talking about the nine steps of the traditional Hebrew blood covenant. Last week, we talked about three of them that were exchanges. And so this week, I was planning on talking about the next three um, that are very significant and very important and very important for us. However, as I got into the week, um, God began to work on my heart and say, that's not what I need to say this weekend. So I said, yes, sir, what, what do you need to say? So on Saturday, I had it nailed down to kind of two big points that I, that I was going to talk about. And God said, that's not what I need to say today. And he showed me the one step in the traditional Hebrew blood covenant that he wants to talk about today and wants us to understand today, and that is that they would give covenant terms. So when you would get into covenant with someone, you would give, obviously, here's the terms. We're going to go into covenant. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what you're going to do. And basically, this is what would happen. Both parties to the covenant would stand before a witness, and they would list all of their assets and liabilities because each one takes on all of these upon himself as going into covenant. So here's all my stuff, here's all your stuff, now we're together, your stuff's my stuff, and and, and the other way around. Here's why this is important. Basically, what you're saying is this, when you go into covenant with someone, you're saying, everything I have is yours, and everything you have is mine. That's what we do in a marriage, right? I'm giving all of myself to you, same way. Now imagine for a second, we get to do that with the Almighty God, Everything I have is yours, but everything you have is now mine. That's the covenant terms. This is the promises of God. And so as we look at scripture, this book is filled with promises that are covenant terms for us saying, God saying, this is what I have for you and you can access it. But we have a part to play. And so I was uh, praying and saying, God, okay, what specifically then? What are we talking about? And today he said, the promise of healing 
And if you've been to our church at all, you know we talk about this quite a bit, the promise of healing. We're not just talking about physical healing. We are going to talk about that, but we are talking about emotional and spiritual healing as well. Here's what we have to realize is this. Healing is a covenant promise. Healing is a covenant promise. If you're taking notes, that's point number one. Complete healing is a part of the everlasting covenant. We're going to see it in Scripture, and, and Jesus lays it out so clear, which I love. But from the very beginning, God's design was for his people to walk in complete health. So we look at the book, way, way back at the book of Genesis, when God created everything, what did he say? He created, and then he said it was good. He created and said, it's good. This is good. This is good. I don't know about you, but I've never had a sickness or a pain in my body and said, ah, this is good. It's really good I'm throwing up right now, right? It's really good I have this hernia. No, it's not good, okay? I'll tell you that much. It's not how God intended it. God said what? He created, and he said it is good. From the very beginning, he was laying out his standard for us, which was complete health, complete health. And as we get, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's just look at another part of this. As we go forward in Scripture, we see when Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt, Many times we've seen the movies, right? The Ten Commandments. We've seen all these movies. And as we see them leaving Egypt, we see all these elderly people or sick people being carried by someone else as they leave Egypt. But that is not accurate. That's not accurate. Here's what God's Word says. In Psalm 105, 37, it says this. Speaking of that moment, he also brought them out with silver and gold. That's another part of the story we miss. The children of Israel got to go in and take all of the gold and riches of Egypt and carry it out with them. Not only did God say, you're free, he says, you are abundantly free. Abundantly. It's, read this, you got to go back and read it. It's, it. I read it this past week, and it's just amazing. Here's the part we're looking at, though. And there was none feeble among his tribes. There was none feeble among his, plies, his tribes. Here's why that's amazing. Moses is a picture a foreshadowing, basically, of Jesus. Moses was their savior. So what did Moses do? As the savior, he came in, he freed them, he untied them from the, slave, the bondage of slavery, and he led them out. As he led them out, what did God do? God came in and gave them riches, supplied their needs, and then he miraculously healed everyone so that as they left, there was not even one that was feeble among them. This is a picture of what Jesus does for us. He is our Savior. He came, and I'm getting ahead of myself. He came, but what did he do? He came and he said, I am here to undo what the devil has done in your life. And part of that is the physical healing, the physical sickness that the devil has put on you. He said, I'm here to free you of that and come with me. And he says, what? I will be your provider. I am the Lord who heals you. In fact, let's look at it in Exodus 15, 26. Later on in the story, what does God do? He reveals his name. He backs up what happened. Not one was feeble. And here's what, here's what he says, Exodus 15. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commandments, keeping all his decrees, then I will not make any of you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord God who heals you. Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. We forget this sometimes, but that's his name. So healing is not what God does. Healing is who God is. I am the Lord who heals you. When did God change his name? Well, he healed back then, but 
He won't today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can't change his name. Otherwise, his word is, is a lie. And if there's one lie in here, we can throw the whole book out. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When he says, I'm the Lord who heals you, that's the same today. I'm Jehovah Rapha for you today. I am the Lord who heals you. He backs up what happened when not one of them was feeble among the tribes. So what do we see? The children of Israel are bound in slavery. Moses comes as the Savior. He frees them, and he leads them out of Egypt. What's amazing, as we look at the verbiage of Scripture, as he led them out and as they crossed the Red Sea, whenever they went and they got to the other side of the Red Sea and the sea collapses back in on the Egyptians, it says that the children of Israel were baptized in the Red Sea. This is a picture of our salvation, of our new covenant with God. He frees us. He leads us, and in the process of leading us, what does he do? Through baptism, he says, you are dead to your old ways. I'm going to wash them out so what? You can never return. You can never return. There's no going back. Why did God have to kill the Egyptians? Here's one thing of covenant that we need to realize. God will not and he does not allow the enemy to stand on holy, miraculous ground. So think about this. God parts the Red Sea. The, Egypt, or the, the children of Israel cross on dry ground, not muddy, dry ground. The Egyptians come. The Egyptians come and they walk on the dry ground that God provided for his kids. And God isn't about... <laughs> to let the enemy walk on his holy ground that he performed a miracle on. And so he said, I'm going to let my children go through, and I'm about to wash anybody who would come here to harm my kids. I'm going to wash them away. You don't get to walk on my holy ground. That's the almighty God. Here's what's amazing. When we receive Jesus, we receive his spirit what does God call us? His temple, his dwelling place. So any attack from the enemy that comes at you has no legal right spiritually to be in your life. You are now holy ground. Do you hear me? You are now holy ground. And we can't, what the devil wants you to do is say, well, this is a part of life. This sickness, this anxiety, this depression, uh, these, these issues in my life, this is just how life is. We live in a fallen world. We do live in a fallen world. But can I tell you, when it comes to touch you, it has no legal rights to be there. It's not in covenant. You are in covenant. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's look at what Jesus said, okay? Let's go back. Let's... I'm getting ahead. I've already basically given away point two. Let's go to um, Luke 13. Luke 13. We're going to read a story, and Jesus, he just shows you what everything I just said. Let's see what he says. It says this, now he was teaching Jesus in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and he said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. 
And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, and he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work, therefore come and be healed on those days, and not on the Sabbath day. Ooh, man, bold statement there. The Lord then answered him, and he said, hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, look at this, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, whew, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for the glorious things that were done by him. This story reveals everything when it comes to covenant promise of healing and expectation. In verse 11, it says what? She was crippled by an evil spirit, a spirit of infirmity, literally translated as spirit of sickness. Many times we like to think, I have, I'm, I'm just sick because, once again, we live in a fallen world or I got a bug, I got whatever. But I would say that many times we need to address it with much more uh, harshness. That when things come against us, that I speak to it as Jesus would, and I speak to the root of the issue. I'm not saying every time I get the sniffles, I got the, the spirit of the sniffles. That's not what I'm saying. But I think sometimes there are things in our lives that are spiritual attacks. And again, as we talked last week, many times we come at those spiritual attacks with Band-Aids. And we never fix the root of the issue. But like I said last week, the only way to find true healing is if I pull the root out. It's like weeds in my flower garden. I got to get the root out of there. If I don't get the root, it's going to come right back. This is how we treat many things in our lives. We think, wow, we're just going to patch it with all this stuff. But whenever I address it spiritually, what am I doing? I'm addressing the root of the issue and I'm pulling that thing out and I'm getting rid of it and I'm throwing it in the trash so it can never return. That's God's, God's desire for us. In verse 15, Jesus paints a beautifully simple picture of healing leading a donkey or an ox to water. Jesus pulls back the curtain. He says, this is what has happened spiritually. He says, even in the natural, what, you, what do you do? You go and you, you take your donkey, you untie them, and you lead them to water, to water it, even on the Sabbath. And Jesus is saying, this is exactly what happens in the spiritual realm whenever we are freed from sickness. He goes and he says, this daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound. She's tied to something in the spiritual realm, to sickness. He says, I'm going to lose. He says, be loose from your infirmity. He loosens her. And then what does he do? He doesn't lead her to, to physical water. He leads her to spiritual water, who is what? Jesus. He said, anyone who drinks of me will never thirst again. So when he's saying, even you do that for your animal, he says, I'm here to do that for God's children, that I will loose them from their infirmities and lead them to the living water. And when they get a taste of me, they will never thirst again, and she will never deal with this ever again. That's God's promise. The spirit of sickness had bound her. Jesus says, be loosed, and she is healed. Verse 14 is where it gets interesting, because the religious leaders criticized Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. And here's what I want to remind us of today. The more we do for the Lord, the more we walk with Jesus and the closer that we grow with him, the more religious enemies we will make. What a sad, true statement that we have to make. 
But even Jesus said, woe to you if all men speak well of you. Everybody likes me. Maybe that's not such a badge of honor, okay? When we really walk with God, we're going to step on some people's toes because you expose things in their lives. Not intentionally to say, I'm better than you. I'm a better Christian. I'm at this level. That's not it at all. But when I walk like Jesus walks, eventually I'm going to show people that God has more for you. And there will be some people who are religious who will say, I've been in church longer than you have. I got a degree that you don't have. Who are you to tell me that when you're actually speaking truth to them? Here's what we, this is exactly what we see in here. So the religious leader is threatened because the woman could have received healing in the synagogue even before Jesus came. She should have and could have received her healing 18 years before. So as the ruler, here's what Jesus was showing. So as the ruler of the synagogue, this man had not been faithful to teach the people all that had belonged to them. He didn't show them. And that's why at the very end, what does it say? He put them to shame. They were, all of his adversaries were put to shame. Why? You guys aren't doing your job. You're out here and you're doing all the actions, you're doing all the works, but you're not giving people truth. You're not setting people free. And this is why when we preach these messages here at Abide Church, we preach it with some confidence because I don't want to have this moment as the pastor of this church, I'm not going to have this moment with Jesus someday. That's my responsibility. And if I don't teach this, what about I was not faithful to teach all that is available to God's kids. This is why we have to understand this. But this is all covenant verbiage. Jesus then, what does he do? He reveals that this is a woman, a daughter of Abraham. A daughter of Abraham. So why does God call her that? Why does Jesus call her that? He knew that because of their covenant, one of the blessings was the healing of all diseases. Even David knew this. Let's look at Psalm 103. We talk about this verse quite a bit. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What are his benefits? It's of the covenant that we are in. Forget not all the covenant benefits. What? Who forgives all your iniquities, your sins, who heals all your diseases. Not some, all. What does he say? He made us, and he said, you are good. He said, I am the Lord who heals you. There was not one feeble among them. His heart is to bring healing. Jesus calls her a daughter of Abraham. Here's what's great for us. In Galatians 3.29 says this, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So when sickness comes against me, when I have pain in my body, if I understand covenant, I know how to respond to the sickness. I'm a son of Abraham. I'm a son of God, most importantly. But I have a covenant as well through Abraham that I get to benefit from today. The everlasting covenant. And because of that, sickness, you have no place here. Pain, you have no place here. You cannot touch me. So here's where the perspective changes then. If we have faith in Jesus, we have a spiritual legal right to the covenant promise of healing. If we have faith in Jesus, we have a spiritual legal rights to the covenant promise of healing. So 
If we feel sick, if sickness comes against us, if, I, if disease comes against me, I am not the sick trying to get healed if I'm in covenant. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. As a believer in covenant with the Almighty God, I am the healed that the devil is trying to bind me with sickness. I am healed. He's trying to bind me with sickness. It's the same way that we approach, we talked about this last week, the same way we, we approach righteousness. Right? So many people, well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You were. But once you've accepted Jesus, you are no longer called a sinner. You are a saint. My identity switches now. I'm no longer the sick. No, I am healed, and the devil is trying to bind me in sickness. I am a saint, and the devil's still trying to trip me up and weigh me down with sin. I've got to change my perspective, but it's all covenant perspective. When I understand that I'm in covenant, what, is, what does God say? Everything I have is yours, but everything you have has got to come to me. Let's go to point two. We'll come back to that thought. Point number two is this. We have covenant authority. Because it's one thing to believe God for your own health. But it's another responsibility where I have to realize that I have a responsibility to minister healing to others. Jesus said, freely you've received, now freely you can give. He says, I want to use you as a channel. In fact, this is what God did as a, as a a way of showing us his design. God did this with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10, 38, it says this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with, with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. What does that word oppressed mean? Oppressed means to exercise harsh control over one, to use one's power or authority against one. So here's what he's showing us. The devil is the source of, of the sickness. This is where we got to tread lightly. Well, God put this on me to test me. No, he did not. Here's why we say that, why we believe that, why we know that. If God's the source of sickness, why would Jesus go about undoing the will of God everywhere he went? When he said, I am the walking, talking will of God. I only say and I only do what the Father tells me to do. And what did he do? Healing all who were oppressed by the devil. But I'll get to this in a second, but I understand. Because I know there's some of you in here that maybe you're dealing with something or maybe you've lost a loved one to sickness or disease. And I know. It's tough to believe when life experience feels more true than God's word sometimes. But we can never look at God because the first thing the devil will do, all he can do is lie, deceive, and trick. So the first thing he will do when a prayer goes unanswered is he will say, look at what God did. Why did God take that family member from you? Why did God give you this to live with for the rest of your life? God's not good. That's the first thing he will do. And all the devil wants you to do in his tricks is he wants to get you to point the finger somewhere other than him. At God, at others, or at yourself. But never at him. Why? 
Because even he knows that you have covenant authority. And even he knows that if you would use your covenant authority that you could kick his butt. Can we be real in church? But if he can get you to not look at him, not address him, look what God did. If it wasn't for your boss, if it wasn't for your your spouse, if it wasn't for that person, your life would be better. Or, man, you're just not good enough. You'll never match up. You're unworthy. You're you're never going to do that. You'll never reach your hopes and dreams. If he can get you looking elsewhere, you'll never find victory. But if I can look at my enemy and I can address him and I can say, no, I know where this is coming from. I'm a son of the almighty God. I'm a daughter of Abraham. I have rights to this. Devil, I'm coming after you. If I can do that, God, God's Holy Spirit can go to work through me. Let's look at it. Luke 10, 19. Jesus said this. He said, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Here's what we're not talking about. We're not talking about snakes and bugs. Serpents and scorpions are what? They are um, symbolic representation of d- demons and demonic spirits. So this is where people get crazy, right? They, get, they say, well, we can handle snakes, and they let snakes go in their church services. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about spiritually. I can bind them. I, have, I can trample on them. I can crush their head. And I have power. I have authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. How can he say that? Because we're in covenant. This is why he, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So is there pain in heaven? Can anything hurt me in heaven? Then I have legal rights through covenant to pray and to believe that nothing shall by any means hurt me here on earth. I have legal rights to that spiritually. Here's the next verse. He takes a step further as he's giving us the great commission here in Mark 16. He says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. He wants to give you a heavenly prayer language. They will take up serpents. There it is again. What are we talking about? We're not talking about snakes. You will take up, you will bind demonic spirits. I'm going to take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Last week we talked about if we see something twice like that in Scripture, God's trying to get our attention. Hey, listen up. You need to know this. You need to believe this. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Here's our covenant authority. Laying, the, laying hands on the sick. I always wondered about that growing up. Why do we do that? Like they're sick. Shouldn't we like, you know, stay away from me? I don't want to get sick. Here's what laying, laying the hands on, on the sick means. Laying on of hands reveals ownership spiritually. Jesus lays his hands on the woman that has been over. When he laid hands on her, Jesus reveals that she is God's property. Satan had touched her and had bound her as a way of showing ownership, but it's all personal to God. The enemy shows up and he says, I'm going to bind something that is yours. I'm going to take your daughter. Imagine if someone did this for all the parents in the room. Someone tried to do this to your son, to your daughter. I'm going to bind them. I'm going to kidnap them. What would your response be? You better be ready for a fight, son. How much more from the almighty God? He says, you don't touch my kids. You don't bind my kids. What does Jesus do? Jesus then took back 
the, 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 took back ownership and said, no, 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 she belongs to our heavenly father. We see this even at the youngest age. If you have kids, if you've been around kids, what do they do with their toys? These are mine, right? Anybody had a kid like that? Hey, these are all mine, okay? You can't play with these. Their friends come over. These are mine. They grab them and they hold them close. You ever seen two kids fighting over that toy, going back and forth? This is what happens in the spiritual realm. The enemy comes and he's stealing. He's trying to steal God's children. And Jesus shows up and he says, I don't think so. This is mine. This is mine. She's mine. He's mine. You have no right to touch her. And he looses her from her infirmity. Laying out on the hands from Jesus reveals that the woman belonged to God. And it became the recognizable point of contact for the healing process. God, Jesus did it many, many ways, but his primary way was laying on of hands, the touch, the touch. And what I would say is this, laying on of the hands is like lighting a fuse. I don't know if any of you in here that like to set off your own fireworks, okay, you can get kind of rowdy sometimes, but you got a few seconds when you light that fuse to haul it and get out of there, right? Sometimes that's what happens. When we pray for healing, we believe for the instant. You are healed now in the name of Jesus. But sometimes when we don't see something happen right away, I put my faith in, I did my part. I am not the healer, but I am in covenant with the one who is the healer. That's his name. Because I'm in covenant with him, I can be a channel for him. And when I lay hands on people, God, lays hands on people. Not because I'm God, that's not what I'm saying. God uses people who operate in covenant authority. When we touch people, God touches people. And this is why he has set up the local church to be the hope of the world. Why? Because whenever I'm going throughout my week and I'm craving a Chick-fil-A sandwich, what I don't do is get a plane and fly down to Atlanta and go to the corporate offices of Chick-fil-A, and I don't have to go down there and go talk with the CEO, Dan Cathy, and say, I schedule a meeting, I get in there, oh man, thank you for meeting with me. I sit down in the comfy chair in his office and say, okay, cool, I'm gonna take a number one with no pickle, large fry, large sweet tea, light ice, two or three Chick-fil-A sauces, okay? Am I gonna do that? No, no. What, is, what has Dan Cathy done for Chick-fil-A? He says, I've given the authority to my local restaurants. Honestly, they're the local restaurant's gonna serve you better than Dan Cathy can. Now for God, what has he done? He's created channels for us to receive from him. First and foremost is personally. But what he's done is he's given us a responsibility as a church to do what? To minister his healing to other people through covenant authority. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But these signs follow those that believe. And here's the rub. Life experience will try to steal your hope and crush your faith. But the reality is, the truth is, is that it cannot touch your covenant. 
Let me say it again. Life experience will steal your hope and it will crush your faith, but it cannot touch your covenant. Because I've seen victory in praying for the sick and I've experienced defeat in praying for the sick. So I'm not just somebody who comes up here and just preaches a good message and it's all hopeful. There's a reality to this. But in covenant, it builds my faith to go and to do what God's asked me to do. My brother Brad, who I told that story from earlier, when my mom was pregnant with him, they did not get good reports. So much so that they even brought abortion as an option to my parents. It's not looking good. If this baby is born, he's gonna have all kinds of complications. If he is born, he will live for maybe a few moments and then he will die. Hopeless across the board. Every report across the board, he will die. He will die. Might as well get the heartache over with now so that you have to experience giving birth and then seeing your son die. Praise God that my parents had some people that surrounded them that pushed them and reminded them of their covenant authority and said, let's believe for life. Let's believe God's word for healing. Let's believe Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. Let's speak life. And when Brad was born, the doctors were amazed because he was this chubby, fat, healthy baby boy with zero complications. And if you've seen him today, he's a state trooper. You don't want to mess with him, okay? He's still got the muscles, right? Don't mess with him. Miraculous. If you haven't heard Parker, Pastor Parker's story, our kid's pastor here at Abide, you need to ask him. Almost identical. He was born crazy, early, premature. But God's healing power moved. And guess what? God took what the devil meant for harm, and now he is using it to what? We heard the testimony earlier in our service. Salvations in our kids' rooms. Why? because we have a leader, we have a kid's pastor in there who preaches God's word and will lead kids to Jesus. And God has taken what should have been heartache and he says, I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna use it for my kingdom. And Parker's gonna go, Pastor Parker's gonna go way farther and do way more damage in the kingdom of darkness than he ever tried to do in the kingdom of light. I say all this today, as I was preparing this message, I don't really, I don't really have an, a landing point for you, but it's just this. Through a covenant with God, you have legal rights to healing. We see it in God's word. Through a covenant with God, as a believer, you have a legal responsibility to minister healing to others, to lay hands on the sick and believe that they will recover. And though times may get tough, and though you may pray and you don't get the answer you believed for, a great sign of spiritual maturity is when I say, you know what? That heartache was real. But I will still choose to believe this over any life experience I've ever seen. Because I've laid hands on the sick. I've laid hands on people that had cancer and I've seen them die. My wife Leslie and I, we've been believing God for more kids. Let's be, just be transparent. And we're still in the fight. Last year, we lost a kid, I lost a baby. 
Was that God's will? Absolutely not. Did God take that baby? Absolutely not. He gives life. He does not steal, kill, and destroy. So what did I have to do? Yeah, I was faced with some crossroads. Do I still believe this? Can I still preach this message after losing a pregnancy? I had to do some praying. But absolutely I can. Because the devil is a liar. And no matter what you're facing today, no matter what sickness, pain, disease you're facing today, the devil is trying to get you to point to other things, to God, to others, or to yourself. When let's point the finger at him and say, no, God's word says this. We're going to believe for healing. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. The Lord who heals you. We have covenant access to the promises of healing. When they would make these covenants, what would they do? Everything I have is yours. Everything you have is mine. What we have to do is be okay with giving God everything. Everything. Have I truly laid it all at his feet? Have I truly given him every area of my life? to go full in covenant with him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your covenant. Thank you for your healing power. Father, I pray that today would be a day of freedom. Today would be a day of freedom from pain, from sickness, and from disease. Today would be a day of freedom from any sickness that has tried to cling to our bodies, from any pain in our bodies. Jesus' name. Would you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second? If you're in here and you say, Pastor Dan, I need that. You're in here and you say, Pastor Dan, I, I, I need healing in my body, but maybe you don't need physical healing. Maybe you need some spiritual healing. Maybe you're far from God and you say, I need that. I need to get in covenant with God. I want access to his goodness. If you've never done that before, maybe you've done it before, but you need to recommit your life to Jesus. You need to recommit and say, I'm serious about being in covenant with him. Can I pray with you? If that's you today, would you just simply just raise your hand just high enough for me to see? And you can put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you do anything weird. I just want to see, give you a chance. I see that hand. Anybody else? You won't be alone. Anybody else? I need to recommit. I need to make things right. All right. Here's the second question. I need you to be bold. If you're in here today, and you say, Pastor Dan, I need some healing in my body. I got a pain. I have disease. I have sickness. I have allergies. I have arthritis. I don't, I don't care how big or small it is, but you need some freedom today. Would you raise your hand? I see that. I see those hands. I see those hands. You can put them back down. Today's your day. Would you look up here? Here's what we're going to do. As always, when we wrap up service, we sing one last song. And during this last song, we're going to have prayer partners on the sides right over here and up by the stage. If you raised your hand for either one of those, would you come forward? We have people who are ready to go to battle with you. We have people who are ready and equipped to join our faith with yours and to say, just like Jesus did, this is a son, this is a daughter of the Almighty God. They have rights to this healing. For the rest of our A-team, please be aware, we might need some extra help up here. So if you're, if you're available, come on up and help us pray. 
I'm going to invite our prayer team. You guys can go ahead and start making your way up front. With the rest of you, would you stand up on your feet? We're going to sing one last song. As we do, if you raised your hand to recommit your life to Christ, if you raised your hand because you need healing today, make your way down front during this last song. We're not going to embarrass you, but we do believe God is going to do something powerful today. If you'd like to take communion, we have communion elements on both sides of the room. Feel free to do that with your friends or with your family. Let's take a moment. Let's worship, and then we'll dismiss. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.